on the Genuine Intelligence podcast, where artificial intelligence meets real people. Um, I'm your host, Athena Morse, and I'm joined by the legend Steve Burrows himself and our guest today, Kendra Sutherland, who has taken on an almighty task um, to renovate a beautiful old Queen Anne style home away from the busy suburbs of California um, as an alternative option to getting onto the property ladder. So on today's podcast, we're going to take the opportunity to really understand if renovating an old home like this is really worth it. Um, and what price do you really pay in both time and money to do that? So, um, so yeah, we have really interesting questions as always that we're going to fire at ChatGPT. So I'll let you introduce yourself, Kendra, and then we'll pass the reins on to Steve. Awesome. Thank you so much, Athena. Um, yeah, so my name is Kendra and I'm born and raised in San Francisco. Um, I have a degree in landscape architecture. That's um, how I got my in into construction. I was always on the construction side, even though I had a design um, associates degree. And but I was always uh, I had my own landscaping business and always doing really hands on um, things. Now I work for a Contact uh, company, Fieldwire, and um, uh, very much. You know, I spent uh, several years working for general contractor and a construction company, a landscape construction company in the Bay Area. About five years um, total, about a decade in landscaping and construction. Um, before I ended up moving to Georgia to purchase a home built in 1900. So. So Kendra, so like, let's begin. Like, why, why Georgia, and uh, and and is it really cheaper than than the Bay Area? So the short answer is yes, one thousand percent, and that is why Georgia, to a certain extent, that was definitely what pointed me uh, in this direction. Was just the amount of property you could get for uh, the, that amount of money. So. Um, just, I have a two acre property, 4,700 square foot home, um, built in 1900, very charming on the main street, walking distance to downtown next to a police station, all the amenities, you know, walkability, um, charm, this sort of a home, even in its current state in California, I speculate would be somewhere in the millions and um, I bought it for just full disclosure for three hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars. So, so you you're you're saying that the the difference in price between um, California and 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 where you are in Georgia. So, what exactly where are you in Georgia? Um, I'm yeah, thirty-five minutes from Atlanta or uh, thirty-five minutes from the airport. 35 minutes from Atlanta compared to San Francisco. I mean, I, I asked ChatGPT the question, like, is it cheaper in Georgia? And the answer is generally yes. It says the price difference is, this is interesting here. It says the median home price in California is around $800,000, which is incredible, right? The median home price in California is $800,000. And that's not San Francisco and Los Angeles. That's California. Um, and the median home price in Georgia is about one third of that. Um, you think you think that's wrong? You think it's greater than that? That's almost exactly the way I would say it was. Homes that I saw, um, about a third is what I would say, like the cost ratio to a certain extent. Um, I think a historic home is a little unusual because of the charm, because of the draw. They It's harder to price those. But in general, like a single family home when I was looking at them here, the amount of land and everything um, and the home itself, it felt like it was a third of the price of what I would have paid in the Bay Area, just the list price, not accounting for how much everyone would drive up the price when the bidding war starts. Yeah, that's that's true. So when you and I when you and I met, we had a beer, and you were just thinking about doing this at the time. I, maybe you remember that. I do. And uh, yeah, and one of the questions was like uh, the the business plan because we, is it? I know it's a third of the cost to buy, 
but but you know is it a third of the cost for everything i mean is it cheaper to renovate um is labor cheaper and materials cheaper how have you found the the business plan that we talked about like well that long seems like forever ago pre-covid i think that shredded up piece of paper of <laughs> <laughs> uh that business plan has come and gone no um i mean it and also i should mention there was additional cost not just three hundred and thirty four thousand. It, it was also a loan to renovate it so it came out to like four hundred and seventy thousand to buy the house um now i it's hard to say i feel like well it's hard i came out here during covid material costs and labor costs i think were both inflated um, by the time i started construction everyone was saying oh this is three times what it would have cost before um, the pandemic so i do think that affected pricing and i don't feel like I, I, it's hard to say because I've never done a home renovation in the Bay Area, so I don't know that I can compare, but I do feel that materials and um, labor were, I don't feel there was as much savings there. I feel like that was maybe about the same, especially with the pandemic influence. Right. So you've done home renovations in the past, have you? So this isn't your first attempt, or is it? This was my first attempt. Like, oh, wow. I, okay. I had done just construction for other people, never my own money doing a renovation, figuring it all out. Nice. So I guess you thought, go big or go home, yeah? Because <laughs> you've much. picked an incredible property. It's a big project <laughs> for your it, first it one, a, at least yours. Definitely. How big, how big is it? How big is it? 4,700 square feet for the house right. and then two acres. And so why, why so big? Why, you know, was it, I mean, it was, I was going to ask you the question is if it's a third of the price, you just buy a home that's three times larger or do you, you know, is right. it because homes are bigger, aren't they outside the Bay area across the U S generally? Yes. And I guess I've always, I grew up in a bed and breakfast in San Francisco and I've always grown up going to, you know, hotels and being in the hospitality industry. And I think one of my passions was definitely um, at some point to maybe have either a bed and breakfast or something here and maybe have a bit of a demonstration garden, um, a place that people could, you know, in California, there's so many of those places you can go to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city. I kind of envisioned this place being a little bit of an oasis for me. And if I'm going to go through all that trouble of creating it, I may as well try to make some money on it eventually. Right. And so that's back to the business plan. So um, yeah. it says chat GPT says materials. It doesn't really know. I think materials probably should be cheaper. I've asked how much cheaper doesn't really know. And right. labor, you know, get, again, I got this generic answer, uh, might be cheaper, depends on, you know, supply and demand. So, I mean, have you have you generally found that, that you know, whilst it's cheaper to buy, you know, how's it been to renovate? And I suppose one of the big questions is when somebody does a renovation, like there's so much that you discover about the home that you bought that you didn't know at the time you bought it. So which create this massive variation between what you ex the work you expected to do and the work you actually had to do. So could you talk to that a little bit? Yes, 1000%. The one thing that was cheaper for sure was gas. Gas is no. definitely cheaper. Um, and in terms of labor and materials, I do find the skill level and knowledge of building is different out here. I think it's it felt a little less sophisticated in the Bay Area. I felt it was easier to find um, very skilled uh, carpenters, builders, because um, the standards are so high. You build, the codes are so stringent due to earthquakes and things like that. Whereas we don't have earthquakes here. We do have tornadoes a little bit, but I didn't find, I found a lot more of a 
very wide range of what was acceptable in building out here that um, I think it makes it harder to find skilled labor and harder to find um, skilled work uh, or craftsmen because, and then you end up doing the work twice sometimes or not doing it as well and finding out later that you need to redo it. Um, so there's that challenge in terms of the, so when I first bought the home, here's what I will say. The biggest piece of advice I can give to someone buying a historic home is take nothing for granted. Do not assume, assume the worst pretty much like assume, don't say, oh, well, this wall is fine. So we'll be fine. Assume that behind every wall, you're going to find framing, structural issues, um, major issues. Just assume that because you're looking at a home that for almost the last 120 years in very harsh weather conditions, a lot of humidity, a lot of, um, you know, just pests and termites and bugs and things. Um, Georgia is is hard on homes here because of there's so much water and so much heat and so much humidity. It really um, wears down the the building materials. So I would just say don't assume almost everything will need to be redone and, and kind of taken stock of, like fixed in some way with a fine tooth comb, like from soup to nuts, because um, that's pretty much what we found out. I mean, we ended up lifting the house because the crawl space was only about 12 inches in some parts. So you couldn't see um, like under the house. And so finally, when we lifted the house, we just saw the full extent of the damage and like 80% of the structural framing like beams, the major beams of the house had been rotted through either through termite damage or moisture and, and dry rot. I mean, those were things I did not really realize what it was going to take to fix that. And I trusted some uh, builders that were going to fix it to their level, uh, to their standard. But right. that was the thing. It was like that that to me for a long-term home and investment was not a suitable standard. The average life of a home in the United States is about 50 years. Um, and and it says that, that wood frame houses can vary up to 100 years or more. But, but basically, you've got a home that's already beyond its life expectancy. So it was never expected to last this long. Mm. And um, so I, I agree with your comments about deterioration. But you could argue that it's at the end of its useful life at the time you bought it. So, Totally. Yeah, totally. And that's the question. Like, do you fix it or do you scrap it? Because it probably would have been cheaper and faster. It's, there's no question. It's more work to fix it. Yeah. And, and equally, I, I wondered, as a landscape architect, um, the, ho the home sits on the, on the site, on the, the, the piece of land. You've got these two acres. Is it in the right place? I mean, if you were going to build it again, would you have built it in the same place or no? Thankfully, I think back in the day, back at the time when the home was built, um, there was there was more limitations, I think, from that standpoint. So choosing to put it in the wrong place was a big deal. I think back in that time, you didn't have pump, pumps as easily, I imagine. If you put your home where the water flowed, I mean, could be devastating for it. So they picked the top of the hill, um, which right. was wise and the, the highest point on the property. So in that sense, it, it really is, I would say, in a good location. Um, but they did not pick the right height of the crawl space. Back in, in that time, there weren't codes that told you you had to go a certain height. And I don't think they were thinking about the maintenance of it and who would go under there to maintain it over time. And so it was built far too close to the ground. Um, termite, I never was able to get a termite letter on the home because it was so close to the ground, no one could see. There was just no telling what was behind that post or beam could be a total infestation and you wouldn't know until it got to the surface. Right. So that was a big motivation for lifting it 
for the long-term uh, durability of the house. So I just want to just talk about lift, lifting a house up, right? Because we've said it, you know, it's really easy to just sort of skip over what you've said. But basically, you you lifted, you jacked up the entire house higher up in the air. And, uh, and, and so at some point, you had to decide that, I mean, it's connected to the drainage system and the electrics and, the, you know, maybe there's gas into it and the foundations, it's sitting on the foundations and you lifted the entire house up in the air. So can you talk about that? Like, what, how did you decide to do that? And what did that cost? And This and blew like, my mind, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll show some images of this, but obviously you never planned to do that when you bought nope. it. So nope. just talk through what like seems like a pretty dramatic decision to make and, and thing to do. It really was. And I moved an entire cubic yard of soil, dug it down out of the middle of the house to lower the grade under the house prior to like our decision to lift it. Like I was determined not to lift the house because I knew that would introduce a whole slew of costs that that was an extremely expensive path to go. And I just, I thought it was just out of the question. Like it's not even an option. Um, so my contractor at the time was helping me to fix the beams under the house with, you know, 18 inches of space crawling with six by sixes on their stomachs, trying to carry it under and lift the six by sixes and break, get the wood out and put metal jack posts under strategic points and then put the six by sixes in place. Six by sixes were not what they used to build it. It's not structural for the structural beams for a two-story house. You can't use a six by six, but it was so tight that I think they, they were going with that. Um, so there was a lot of issues as they were trying to fix it with what we had, trying to make do with what we had, um, seemed like the, the smart thing to do. It seemed like, oh, great. Yeah. Just use metal jack posts. Those are not to code. I found out you can't use that in a permanent application. Um, it's a temporary fix. Um, what's more to code would be an actual pier with a footing and, and either block or, um, uh, would if you if you want um so in the end we did i got a quote to really shore up the house with um they were a little bit more uh sophisticated jack posts metal jack posts from this company that does a lot of work down here um on historic homes in down in savannah actually which has very yeah. Uh, yeah. difficult conditions and the price to do that was $70,000. And it was going to introduce about 75 um, jack posts under the house in our two foot max crawl space. 75 posts, two feet. It was going to compound and make the space under the house even more congested and even more difficult to navigate. So it was going to cost me $70,000 and it was going to make it extremely congested and difficult to navigate. We still had a bunch of plumbing to do under the house to add. The, the home only had two bathrooms. We needed to add up to seven in the life of the home. Like that's what we were specifying. And it was just going to be a nightmare to get anybody to work under there, a nightmare to go under there. If you have a leak, you have to put on an entire suit and hazmat mask and everything to crawl under the house and check the work or make sure it's done properly. It was one of those things that seemed like, oh, it's just doable. It's just not out. Of, it's out of the question to lift it. But when the reality sets in of what that really means of maintaining it, plus we couldn't make sure that there were no termites anymore because it's still now so congested. And so the the possibility of more termite damage coming in the future was almost inevitable and something we would just have to plan to cut into the floors from above to service under the house. So as much as I hated the idea of lifting it, when we finally, and it cost $450 just to bring the house lifter out to inspect. And my actual, this is one thing my first contractor, one of the 
only things he did right. No offense to him, but this was one of the best <laughs> things he did. I like he did a lot of things that, you know, he did his best, but he also led me down some paths that, you know, got me to where I was. So, but he did that right. And that he paid for that uh, visit and got the lifter out. And it just became clear that that was not only a really smart thing to do was going to give us a better result in the end, but almost the only thing to do to properly take over this house and um, make it usable again. How, how high did you lift it up? We lifted it four feet and then came down a foot. So it's three and feet higher. Total. Yeah, three feet higher. Right. And I've got a stupid question. Well, I think it's stupid anyway, but what happened with the basement? Do you lift the basement? The basement stays or so, what, what happened? <laughs> so back in this era of construction, they did a lot of post and beam construction is what it's called. So the home is built with beams, almost like a deck with posts. And so it's supported by these posts. And so you don't lift, you actually, the, the home is like sitting on these posts. And so you just lift it off of those um, posts. And, and it's actually just brick piers that are, it's not even attached. There's no anchoring. It's just set on top of them. And so when you lift it, it just comes right up. Uh, attaching the home to the foundation is more of a recent, I think, uh, technological requirement uh it's just more of a, a recent requirement because back at that time many of the posts were just sitting on the the brick piers were there ever any times where these houses kind of fell off the post on the one side like did, did that ever happen or you know yeah, i guess well, if there's a tornado or something comes along and i don't know if they've been yeah i mean i'm sure they got uh, but so here's something the house lifter said to me, believe it or not, homes are very heavy. So it would take a lot of force to actually move the home. You know, as much as it seems like, oh, it could just be pushed off. It's a very heavy assembly. And so to move it takes an enormous amount of force. So that's something we sometimes underestimate, but they do come off their piers constantly. And that is an issue with the settling. And that's where this mm -hmm. foundations company came in because they essentially replace all those piers with metal jack posts next to them. And so that's right. what they do a lot of. So, ba so basically the way they lift it is it's like li lifting your car. There's hydraulic jacks that they put under key points around the house and they're all linked together. And so when they jacked them, they all moved together and they just gradually lifted the whole thing up inch by inch until it was at the new height. And then they put posts underneath to replace where the jacks were. Correct. And and so like the first um, the first step, though, was what you said, Steve, to demolish all of the utilities, yeah. all the gas, all the drain pipes, everything, water electrical, all of that has to be out of the way because the house lifter is going to slide these one foot by one foot steel beams that are like 60 feet long to sit under the entire home, the entire span. And he places those about every six to 10 feet in, um, in one direction. And then he, uh, so he's, he just sort of slides it under the house while the house is still supported by the old foundation. And then he puts, they dig out under um, where the beams are going to go so that they at least have one place they can get under those beams with their hydraulic lifts. And then they lift them up and stick six by sixes underneath. So they start to get space under those beams. Yeah. And once they have that space under the beams and they have their cribs, their wooden cribs, it's a Jenga tower under the beams, they can slide their hydraulic lifts and go as high as you want. And you just keep going up, filling it in with wood and then um, putting something under your hydraulic lift when it reaches its max. And then so, you go up again. How much did it cost? So ironically, it was 70,000 to add all the uh, posts under the house and it was 75,000 to lift the house. Wow. 
with and all the utilities and everything. So everything. Put, well, put, yeah. I mean, it was 70,000 to add the jack posts, but only 75 to lift the house to do the lifting required removal of the chimneys. We had to take the entire chimneys, three chimneys, remove them down brick by brick to the ground. Um, we had to demolish all the utilities. Um, we're gonna have to put all that in. We have to build a whole new staircase from the front of the house and ent entirely new entrances because you've added three feet. Yeah. So now everything scoots out further to accommodate that the more stairs. Yeah. So I'd say the cost of lifting was like 150,000 minimum and wow. like to, I mean, cause yeah, it was 75 to lift it, 15 to demolish the chimneys by myself, like ourselves, not hiring somebody. I got a quote for that for 50,000. I mean, it, it's a whole new ball game. It is such a gargantuan line item. That can oh, because you have to take the whole thing out from top to bottom, don't you? You can't just, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So do you, you you say we? Um, I guess I think you got to know the contractor pretty well, or one of your contractors pretty well during the course of this project. And yeah, uh, yeah, and and you, so did you have an architect? Was there a sort of architects and engineers working with you, or who was the who was the client? Did you just do all this yourself and like figure it out as you went? Or did you have a professional team helping you to figure it out? So originally it was like, I had an architect, I had a design consultant, I had a general contractor, and I was just there to hold it all together. As the costs got completely out of the ballpark, of anything I ever imagined. And as it became such a completely different project from what I thought it would be, um, it put more pressure on me to take on different roles so that I could save costs. You know, even just the cost, those costs I'm giving you 75,000, 50,000, those are just the raw costs. That's not if I was to hire a GC and their markup. So, yeah. At a certain point, it became clear, like originally I was, I had a markup for a GC and they would manage it. But as the project spiraled out of control, essentially, um, I had to take on more and more responsibility to see this through. And, and also I won't deny, I mean, it didn't have to happen this way. Like I could have slapped a bandaid on it, put some jack posts in, said it'll last me 10 years, I'll be gone anyways. I think my passion for well-built and quality um, construction and quality spaces and my ultimate long-term goal of potentially using this um, for a hotel or commercial use at some point, um, you know, down the road, not now, um, it put higher standards and, and higher um, expectations on the project. And just, I, I also, you know, with my background in construction, it's like, I couldn't just half-ass it. I, I hear you, but I'm sort of also saying to myself, um, what did happen to the business plan? Is it still worth it? Would you do it again, I suppose, is the question. And, and equally the schedule, like it just sounds like, I. I mean, here we are in August 2023, and I'm sort of going, I can't remember when you and I talked about this, but it seems like a lifetime ago, um, and that's a hell of a schedule. So, what, well, like, you know, is it like, is it, you know, is it economically worth it? Was this move, Was it? does it make sense still? Yeah, you called it, Steve. Like, when we sat and drank that beer at that <laughs> bar, you were yeah. so right. Like you looked at me and I was all excited, like doe-eyed, like, yes, I bought this place. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. And you had the courage to just sit there and say, you're going to be busy on this house for two years. And you looked at me and said that you were like, this is an enormous project. What are you thinking? And I was like, it's not, it's going to be done in six months. I can't wait. And, <laughs> and like, in the end, like, I'm like, 
we're probably going to exceed two years on this, you know? Um, I think the only way that this, you know, there have been so many times where I've stopped and said, this is where, this is where someone would quit. Like, this is it. Like probably when they discovered they needed to lift it, probably when they discovered they had to demo everything and redo it. Um, now when you realize it's still not even level, we still have to bring the framers in and there's a lot of leveling we need to do. We are still so much ahead of us. I think the only, you know, I think this is where like, if you feel like you're doing something that is somehow fulfilling your purpose, like if you are, if it's beyond just the, um, like the result, like what you want from it, if it's like you really wanted to transform something or you, I mean, this, this is such a dream. I think that's what keeps me going is what a dream property it is. Thank goodness. Because if it were just like polishing a turd, like, or lipstick on a pig, that would just make, it would be crushing to be putting so much into it. But this home is so spectacular inside, like the, the, it's just so dreamy and beyond anything I could have afforded in California that I think that that I still pinch myself. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And it does feel like a true honor. Yeah. And- mm. Yeah, I guess, I guess I put it, I put it in here. What, what's a passion project. And, uh, cause like, you know, what, cause the, the, it feels like it, that's what it's become. Um, but, but is it still economical? Rather than the financial. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. It's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Than, yeah. But is it, but you started by saying it's a third of the price to move to Georgia than being the Bay Area. So, you, you know, you got this enormous home. It's not, it's been, you know, not, you've, you've gone through some, some sort of, uh, some difficult times with it. Um, but does it still, is it, is it just a passion project? Is it just like, you know, bloody mindedness now I'm going to finish this come whatever, or is it really, is it still, have you still got a business plan somewhere that you say, no, it's still going to work out. Okay. And make sense commercially for me. Um, cause you know, part of what we're doing here is we're trying to create affordable homes for people. And part of that is we say that you have to have a home that can change with your life that is economical in total cost of ownership, not just first cost, because people just think sometimes what it costs to buy, what does it cost to own and operate and modify as your life changes. And this is what what our business is. And so, you know, we're looking at your project and saying, you know, if if, if you could talk to the original architect, what would you say to to him or her? Mm. And, uh, and, And does renovating an old home really make economic sense at the end of the day or or not so Uh, it's so hard i mean i think because of the unique building um the craftsmanship that's put into this that just doesn't exist like you because of the scarcity it's like you cannot go to home depot and buy the trim that they have here you can't um, I can't buy the, the incredible walnut wood that was used on the stairs. Um, the sense of history and, um, just the quality of, um, what the, the feeling of that architecture that it has of being from a different time is so, I think, unique and, and, and you just can't you can try to recreate it but it is so um special because it's uh in short there's not a lot of it there's and so there's short supply of it and so um i think that that is an important factor in this because and this is this is why i'm not just doing this for me i don't need a home that that's that's that special um I've always wanted to live in a special place and I love those special spaces that inspire awe. Um, 
but I knew that I didn't want to put all those resources just so that I could enjoy that. And so the commercial aspect becomes, well, let's all enjoy this, that many can enjoy this, that this can also be a source of income. And so I, I think that's important. Like if this was just a home, it does not make sense. It doesn't make financial sense. It's exorbitant. It's, it's excessive. It's excessive for one person. It's not sustainable at all. But I think if you make this be a place of special times and special experiences for hundreds of people that may flow through here eventually, then it's a community resource and a community. It becomes a part of the common wealth of our like so, of this community in this area. So you still believe in the business, I think, is what you're saying. And, and just just for sort of reference, 50 years ago, U.S. homes um family homes on average were about 850 square feet uh, today the average size of a u.s home is over 2500 square feet wow and yet so it's gone up three times and yet there are less people on average live in a u.s home today than they did 50 years ago so three times the size with less people in mm-hmm. but that just gives your the size of your project is 4700 square feet so, you know, it's got to be enjoyed by more mm-hmm. than one person or two people um, to really make sense because you're going to have to live with the, the, the maintenance costs and the yes. operational costs of, you know, heating and cooling and repairing 4,700 square feet. So, you know, it's, uh, everything goes up proportionally with, with the square footage. Yes, and that I'm realizing that, like, just... I'm learning just, you know, this is my first home. So I am just experiencing that. And I think, but yeah, the business plan, I mean, where is it? Like, I think right now (laughs) I I joke that I'm just in survival mode, like just get through the project. There is a lot of potential. Like we've talked with the city. There's a lot of factors that are supporting this potentially someday being a, a, like um profitable venture i do think but i don't honest at this point i just want to get through it and that's probably not the most uh you know i i should be more focused on the numbers i should be sitting down and really doing it um but i think it's so overwhelming to be working full time and doing this that i think at times i'm just like let me just get through this and we'll figure out the business side of things later not to mention i only have a residential loan on it now which is also something that people said would never have happened in california like you couldn't yeah. buy you have to hire you buy the house for highest and best use so yeah. to be able to buy a commercial property a mixed use commercial property with a residential loan at 3.25% was kind of unheard of um and and those opportunities people were thanking me for buying this that's another thing like in california homes like this gcs scoop this up because there's um you know people will buy them after they're fixed up and there's a lot of um flippers in california but out here they're just rotting on the vine this house sat for five years oh empty for five years yeah wow it's crazy, and I, I guess what what did what did it mean? You know, we're talking about this inanimate object, this house, but but for you, you know, what's your life been like, like living through this? I mean, you know, have you had any time for yourself, or go on vacation, or going to the gym, or whatever? You know, have you have you had a life beyond like this house over this period of time of renovating it? I mean you you your life finds it's it's like water it just fills yeah. in in the gaps um so i have i mean i met i met someone a handyman go figure who has helped <laughs> me enormously get through this project and um you know i think that it it really is i think that's the thing you know i i was into landscape architecture i never had a canvas so this is like my canvas and it is so right. gratifying after 10 years of basically doing, I I joked to myself the other day that I, I think I've now evened it out. The amount of work I've put into other people's homes with the amount of work I've now put into my home, it's even, 
And now I feel like I've scratched the itch. Like I don't need it anymore. I'm good, but no, there's still so much to do, but, um, it, it is like, it's been an opportunity, you know, as much as it's, it's actually like, it's such an incredible property to have the, the responsibility of making decisions about what to do with it, how to, you know, design decisions. And I didn't mention, I, as the project got more and more um, financially kind of out of whack um, and, and out of control, I started to rely more and more on my friends and my other skilled professionals. Like Mm -hmm. I have a, um, a friend, a colleague who's an architect who has helped me enormously through this because it's one thing to build it once and it's expensive, but to have to do it twice and to do it not well, it's such a beautiful home that if you don't do it well, you will ruin it, you know? And And if I remember correctly, didn't, maybe I'm wrong here, but I thought I remembered you were going to have a a swimming pool and a whole series of outbuildings and there was this bigger Yeah. Oh boy. So what happened to all that stuff? Okay, so reality set in, and now I'm just focused on the uh, the house. Just get okay. the house because that's what could could potentially make me money, you know. Like, and what I've decided is that when I get the house set up, I'm not going to do it by myself. I'm going to partner with investors and a whole team, and we're gonna and a restaurant group and like it'll be only that but i'm not gonna strong arm it myself again this is this was that time and i'm just gonna get through this but i would definitely there's no question for that second phase it's such a commercial aspect and i don't know restaurants but i do think the property has potential for that but i would not do it myself okay so, so that's sort of gone by the way. That's uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, I have like a little pond out there. That's oh, really? the, the swimming pool. <laughs> it's like a little rain pond. <laughs> oh dear. Done. <laughs> there you go. Near, near enough. And so, well, I asked you the question: if you could talk to the original designer of the house, like, um, what what would you have changed? I mean, because I, I I'm guessing. You had to live with the proportions of all the rooms and where the staircase was and the kitchen and everything was done by someone else a hundred years ago. And um, if you could talk to them, would would you would you think they did a great job of the design, or would you have been moved walls around, or you know what? How, you know how did that work out? I mean, I don't know the the design. Sometimes I'm in awe of the designers and the the artists and craftspeople of that era, because they're, they were so, they were so skilled. They, Mm -hmm. they had such a good sense of proportion, such a, such a good sense of just quality of life and how things flow and, and just aesthetics. Um, The interior of the home, it's very clear to me, this was an incredibly well-loved home and, and, and the outcome and dream of someone like this was their, kind of a rural getaway dream house. That's for sure. It was, it was a doctor's home and he built it um, and then died like 17 years after building it. Um, And so the only thing I would say is that I really think they put all their effort into the home itself and the finishes, it was beautiful finishes, tile and amazing um, details on the stairs and woodworking and everything. Um, and, and three fireplaces, actually six fireplaces, um, so much poured into this home, but they just skimped on the crawl space. Mm. And it, I feel, I feel like that's where they saved money is they were like, just, just go up like two feet. We're good. We're good. Just, just start there. You know, then we don't have to be, do as tall of stairs. Like everything's easier to build on. We don't have to go as high with the chimneys and everything gets simpler. But it was like, that is where I think they, they tried to cut corners because you can't see it and they never mm. have to, had to deal with the outcome of that. Interesting. 
Yeah, because one of one of the things we're looking at is uh, creating the ability for people to move walls easily, so none of the walls being load bearing in our homes, so that you can actually change as your life changes, or COVID comes and you need an office, or you have children, or whatever it might be, you can reconfigure your house really easily, and so that it's more, you know, it's more, um, it lives with you rather than you're fighting against it all of the time. And I feel like with an old house like you've got, you know, the, the, all the loads and forces go down certain paths and they're established. And there's not much you can do with it, right? You can't really move a wall very easily. Uh, you just have to leave it where it is. Yeah. And I think that becomes a more, more of a concern when you're in a smaller space with yeah. such a big home. Um, I feel like the biggest challenge was definitely where to put the bathrooms. Um that was the hardest part to figure out. Um, so maybe I would say that, like if they could have planned for bathrooms, that would have yeah. been better. Um, so, Athena, I mean, I'm conscious we're running up on, on, on our time here, but but just uh, Athena had a few questions around, mostly yeah. around um, things that you found in the house, right? You know, like, uh, <laughs> is, is it haunted? Uh, what was what did you find in the attic? And, you know, are there any sort of stories from like things that you came across uh, in the home that uh, you, that surprised you? Um, unfortunately, a GC got the home after the original owners and right. they turned it into a restaurant. So the artifacts that I've found have been very minimal, but they're special nonetheless. Um, you know, seeing the old electrical components is always very interesting. Yeah. Just the simplicity <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, all the knobs and everything. Um, that was really cool. Also seeing um, just where there had used to be a roof. Like, I think that they, I think they had an addition at one point. Like, they added on to the house. It wasn't built all at the same time. Mm. And it's one of those things you you know, you leave that shingle there, you didn't take it off and it stays there for the next 120 years. So some things like that. Um, but when I first came into the home, I just felt like it felt so well loved, like it was somebody's dream home yeah. that whatever was there, whatever spirits or energies that felt like were there, they just loved that home. It felt like, and wanted it to be cared for. It seemed I don't know. That's just maybe what I tell myself. But when you come in, it's just so you're just so awestruck with the grandeur of like the staircase and so much that it feels like, I mean, you didn't, it's like so much unnecessary embellishments to the space that it's like somebody really made this a little sanctuary. Um, so it felt well loved. Um, but just finding dead animals under the house was definitely a little creepy. And I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of things that I wish I had found. If one thing I wish I could have found is a old set of plants, like who built it? Who was the architect? When did they um, draw and build it? That would have been cool. Yeah, I asked ChatGPT, what's the difference between a house and a home? Um, sort of interesting really isn't it because it sort of uh, answers you know takes your point right so a home embodies a sense of belonging comfort emotional attachment and you talk about this this house with such emotion and love um, I think you, you see it as your home uh, it's pretty it's clear to me good. rather rather than so the business plan I can see why it went out of the window because um, this is more about love than it is about money now, I think. Definitely, actually. And that's what's kept me going because when it gets hard, I never I never feel like, Ugh, why am I here anyways? I don't even want to be here. Like, I'm just like, I would be here anyways. Like, I love it here. I just yeah. feel so, I do feel at home here. I never felt at home in California. And that was something I struggled with. And then I came here and I did feel at home. And that was the first time. Um, so that really does help um, when it gets hard um, because there are lots of times where you're just like, why am I even doing this? What is the point? This is, you know, I'm going to quit. Like, this is just ridiculous. No. 
but no, I think I think that's a really it's a good way to sort of close this podcast. Is that like you know a home is more than just a a physical structure. It's Absolutely. a sense of belonging, and uh, and it seems like you found it. So you know, good 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 on you. You're so right, and it's funny because I actually have never even lived in the home. I've been here for two years. <laughs> like I've been here for two years, and I joke that like I'm in the garage. Like I've never actually lived or slept. I haven't slept in that house once. Oh, <laughs> oh. When is it going to be finished? Have you got a rough ETA? Well, it's really like if I could just work on it all the time, it would, you know, probably be a matter of months. Um, but I think it's probably going to take another six months, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm trying to I do less like I, like I was working on a temporary sort of outdoor kitchen. I need to just finish that so that I can focus on the house. Um, I think that's the key. The key is to focus. There's so many tasks ahead of me. You have to just pick one and finish it. So after all this time, it's still six months away than it was originally. Yes, if we're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm telling you. I know. (laughs) Someday. I'll give you a call in six months. Okay, sounds good. That'll be about my birthday, so that'll be a good time. Oh, perfect. Perfect. We'll celebrate it here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, thanks, Kendra. Thank you so much. Yeah.